Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome, listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Joe Nettles, and I'm pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located in the Bartahatchee community outside of Caledonia, Mississippi, on Wolf Road, 40283 Wolf Road. We meet 1030 a.m. every Sunday morning and would love you to join us. And I also welcome you on behalf of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten Road, right there on Highway 15 in between Matheston and Ackerman, Mississippi. They also meet at 1030 a.m. every Sunday morning. Their wonderful pastor is Elder David Wise, who assists me in this radio ministry. Ministry, and we would love for y'all to come and visit with us. Also, feel free to visit Clear Springs Primitive Baptist Church any second, third, fourth, or fifth Sunday. They do not meet on the first Sunday, but all the other Sundays at 10.30 a.m. they meet, and they're located at 55 Tahoe Road in Mabin, Mississippi. Wonderful folks, and they will treat you so well. Go and visit with any of us, and we'll be glad to meet you. Uh, we invite you to go to gospel-of-grace.com. That's the website that services that is a service of this broadcast, and we want you to contact us via that website. Uh, there are archived messages, uh, frequently asked questions, church locators, links. We would love for you to join us. We also meet at 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening uh, at 200 West Garrett Road in Starkville, Mississippi, on the grounds of New Covenant Church. 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening, we have an abbreviated worship service, and then we have a meal together, and we want to be specifically there for not only Mississippi State students, but also uh, citizens of Starkville, and we desire to meet you and to worship Jesus Christ with you. Uh, have you ever just taken for granted the parable of the Good Samaritan? Have you ever just seen it as just a, you know, just a, a fable just something that is a happy little thing to consider. We hope and pray in this series of messages that we're bringing for you that you will be able to see a deeper meaning and in, uh, get a greater spiritual fulfillment out of the consideration of this very commonly known parable called the Good Samaritan. Thank you so much, my listening friends, for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I am Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, and I'm uh, in the uh, 1611 King James Translation Bible to Luke chapter 10. And we hope to bring you the last installment today on the series regarding the parable of the Good Samaritan. And as I said in the previous message, somebody may say, did you really need to use this many uh, installments on the radio to preach this? I'm telling you, I barely scratched the surface. So I'm thankful we were able to do it in four uh, episodes of this broadcast. So uh, God help us. Let's pick back up. In Luke chapter 10, now remember the setting. Here is a, a proud lawyer, counted himself an expert. Uh, I believe, uh, according to the uh, parable that the Lord is going to give to this lawyer, this man believed him to be uh, religiously exceptional. He, be he believed himself to be uh, culturally and genetically exceptional. He thought him to be better than other people uh, because of his position. And I think we see this come forward in the cast of characters of this parable that Jesus gave unto him of the Good Samaritan. And this is in reply to a 
question. I believe a self-serving, self-gratifying, self-justifying question that was asked by this lawyer uh, when the Lord had told him, you want to inherit eternal life? Do the things in the law. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, soul, and spirit, and love thy neighbor as thyself. This man, I believe he truly believed, well, I can't love God any more than I do. And I love my neighbor. I believe my neighbor are these Jews. Obviously, it's not Samaritans, and obviously, it's not these dogly Gentiles. Obviously, the chosen people of the Jews, I mean, I'm serving them as a lawyer. I mean, I'm among them. I'm, I'm highly thought of among these people. So obviously, I'm already loving my neighbor because obviously, these are my neighbors. And I believe he was thinking this in his mind when he asked Jesus, said, and who is my neighbor? I believe he literally, as I've said before, he thought Jesus was going to pat him on the back and say, you know what, son, you already meeting the mark. You already doing it, babe. Don't worry about it. You're doing a wonderful job. You just keep on keeping on doing exactly what you're doing. But Jesus has a reply for him that is different. And this man uh, is been uh, prompted by this parable to consider his ways. Now, we're going to read for context sake, beginning in verse 30. And this is the parable. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. As we've said in episodes before, this is a man who's completely in need and without ability. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. As we pointed out in previous messages, the priest represents one who is considers himself religiously exceptional. Apparently, he thought himself too exceptional to stop and help this wounded man. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Then verse 32, it mentions a Levite and likewise a Levite. Who is a Levite? That is one of the descendant of Levi, of the tribe of Levi. They saw themselves as exceptional. They saw themselves as exceptional uh, culturally. They saw themselves as exceptional genetically. Uh, even Moses was of the tribe of Levi. The priesthood is of the tribe of Levi. Obviously, if I'm a Levite, I'm a special boy. I'm a special man. And this Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. What a sad sack of characters we've seen thus far. One who is completely devastated by injury, completely without ability, without resources, without compassion and mercy by these two. And we've got a priest and a Levite who are just snubbing their nose at him and walking by on each side. But now we get to the meat of the issue, verse 33, but a certain Samaritan. A Samaritan was one of a mongrelized race, part Israelite, part Assyrian. They were of a unclean, unsanctified uh, religion that was syncretistic is a word that they use. It means it was part of the law, but part heathenism, idolatry, and uh, pagan religion. So you see, it was unclean all the way. Nobody would consider to whom this parable was delivered, especially not this lawyer. He would have never considered the Samaritan a hero. He would have never considered the Samaritan as being important, as being uh, anyone who would deliver or save. He would, have been, he would have been totally discounted, just like the world discounts Jesus Christ, right? This world discounts Jesus Christ as purely a historical figure. Even many people say they don't believe he even existed. 
They discount him as just a prophet. They discount him as just a good man. They discount him as maybe he was an angel. Maybe he was a figment. Maybe he was just the power of God. He wasn't really God. He was just some, no, they discount him in all manners of ways. But I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, if you do not confess the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as both Lord and Christ, as both God and anointed Messiah, the one to take away sins as the apostle and the high priest of our profession. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that you are believing in the wrong Jesus Christ. You're discounting him as well. And I would tell you, repent and believe what the Bible teaches you about Jesus Christ. All man, but yet at the same time, all God. Two natures dwelling within one and not one being in friction against the other. Oh, both being necessary to represent fallen man before God the Father. Okay, carrying on. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. We talked about how God condescended to us to save us, uh, that he didn't wait for us to make a move. No, he moved in and saved us. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him, went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. We talked about that oil and wine were uh, emblematic of the spirit and of the blood and joy in Jesus Christ. Set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay. How beautiful is the picture here of a surety, S-U-R-E-T-Y. That means not only is the debt paid up to now, but I promise by my ability and benevolence and wealth that I will pay every debt that could be accrued by this person, I pledge it. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, in the everlasting covenant of grace before the world ever began between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ pledged that whatever it would take, he would suffer to secure that seed for his father. It said in Hebrews 1, when he had by himself purged our sins, was seated at the right hand of God. I'm here to tell you, he's our surety. He makes intercession for us ever, according to Hebrews 7 and 22. He'll never fail in that, never stumble. He'll never abdicate his throne. Perish the thought. He said, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay. Now, verse 36 which now of these three thinkest thou? This is Jesus asking this lawyer this. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Well, the man would have to be absolutely obtuse to deny that the Samaritan was a loving uh, character here, that the Samaritan, even though he would have never considered him to be such, was the shining hero here. He would have been absolutely obtuse and ridiculous looking had he denied that as plainly as this parable had been laid out by our Lord and Savior Christ. Now, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Notice that Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. Now you may not think that very conspicuous. You may not think that very important. Go and do thou likewise. But notice earlier when uh, he gave a reply to this man, what readeth thou in the law? And this man recounted truly a true summation of not only the Decalogue, but the whole of the Old Testament law in loving God and in loving his neighbor. And what was it the Lord said? Uh, the Lord said, thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. 
this reply wasn't nearly as strong. He didn't say, you're spot on. Thou hast answered right. Thou hast answered well. He just said, go and do thou likewise. Is there any significance to that? Well, I think it is when we consider what Jesus taught, uh, how he uh, taught specifically in his own ministry, and how it had also been brought forth in the ministry of his apostles, that my friends, when he just told him, go and do thou likewise, he said, yes, you need to go and do like this Samaritan. But my friends, I think also he wanted to disabuse him of the thought that the other two, the rebellious ones, the snobby ones, the snotty ones, the ones who turned their nose up at this injured man on the road to Jericho, these were also his neighbors. And this is a very scriptural uh, fact, according to the teaching of Christ. All, my friends, of mankind, we are to consider our neighbors. You talking about people I don't like? Yes. You talking about people who do me wrong? Yes. You talking about people who look different than me? Yes. Are you talking about people of a different socioeconomic level? Absolutely. Do you think you know, people who vote differently than me? I mean, I'm a Republican. They're a Democrat. Are you saying I'm supposed to consider them as neighbors? Yes. Are you talking about a little child? Yes. A woman? Yes. Homosexuals? Yes. Uh, am I supposed to consider uh, people who are uh, maybe is one of these uh, pitiful people who consider themselves and they think of themselves as being kitty cats and they want a, a litter box put out at school for their children? I mean, all kind of foolishness you can think of. Yes, yes, and yes. We, need, we must needs, according to the mandate of Scripture, consider those people our neighbors. Every kindred, nation, people, and tongue, our neighbors. Go and do thou likewise. But my friends, how much greater our understanding is when we understand that all of mankind are our neighbors. And we're to behave that way toward all of them. Show mercy on them. Okay, uh, look at uh, Jesus' teaching, specific teaching in Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, a few chapters before our chapter today, in verse 31, And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Somebody will say, where in the world can you find the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you in the Bible. Well, this is worded differently, but it's saying the exact same thing. This is the stating of the golden rule scripturally. As ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. He didn't say some men. He said men. Okay. Mankind. Verse 32, for if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? In other words, how thankworthy is that? If you just love those who love you, that's easy. He said, for sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? How thankworthy is that when you're doing that, which is easy? It's easy to do good things for people that do good things for us. That's easy. That's a gimme. That's pleasurable. He said, for sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? I mean, if you're only giving money to people that you know you're going to receive that and much more back, oh my goodness, anybody would do that. He said, how thankworthy is that? What thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again and your reward shall be great. Now, wait a minute. If I'm giving everything away, all of my esteem, 
If I'm humbling myself, I'm not even able to hold my pride. I'm humbling myself before my enemies. I'm doing good to those who hate me. They take all the good that I can give them and they never requite it. Uh, you know, I'm doing all this. How in the world is my reward great? Your reward's going to be great because if the Lord is your God and Jesus is in your heart, you will receive a peace that exceeds all understanding. You will feel not just know about, I want to know about the love of God, but I can tell you even better than that is when I humble myself and try to behave like Jesus, not to be seen of men, but just because it pleases my father in heaven, then I'm feeling the love of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing better than that. If you are listening to the sound of my voice today and you think there's anything in this world that can be drawn from a bank account or can be purchased off a shelf or driven off a car lot that exceeds the felt love of your God for you, then I pity you. I pity you. And I pray that just a glimpse of the power of the love, that love, that perfect love that casteth away all fear, that love, my friends, greater love hath no man than this. I pity you if you don't feel that. But if you felt it, I'm here to tell you, my friends, don't think you can't feel it exponentially more by serving your Lord in humility and in love. He said, be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Oh, he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil, and we ought to as well. Let's look at the second point of this. Well, he said, go and do thou likewise. He didn't give a ringing endorsement of his reply. You know, let's look at another thing that's very obvious though. Jesus presented this parable. If it even is a parable, because Jesus having all knowledge, this could have been an, a real occurrence that happened. This could have literally unfolded this way. And Jesus having all knowledge knew about it and is able to report it. Or maybe it is just a parable. I don't know. But Jesus presented this parable with an ignorant adherent to a mongrelized syncretistic religion being the obvious example of one who keeps the law with a loving motive. Did you catch that? Jesus used one who is an abject ignorance, who is unclean, according to the law, one who would be totally discounted by the contemporaries of his day. Jesus used this person as the hero, as the one who would love God and love his fellow man. One, in other words, who is born of the spirit of God. You see, my friends, it would have been very conspicuous to this Jew and the Jews under the sound of this parable that this Samaritan was not like them. This Samaritan was essentially unevangelized, okay? Essentially unevangelized. Now, uh, somebody would scoff at the idea of somebody seeing a comedy or just a drama about Jesus Christ on the TV and think, well, they have been evangelized. Well, maybe they've seen something about Jesus, and maybe it was totally false, and maybe it was a impure representation. Who knows? But my friends, none of us would really consider this person evangelized, taught from the word of God in any respect by watching some kind of vain thing on television. So much damnable stuff is on there about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
by like manner, you would look at the knowledge level that this Samaritan would have had, and it would have been abjectly poor to null, okay? See, the Samaritans, why was it that the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus said, woman, he said, you know not what you worship. We are the Jews. We know what we worship, okay? Why did he say that? Because, my friends, the Samaritans only held the Pentateuch, or the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They only counted those five books as sacred. They only counted that as scripture. They did not count Isaiah, Malachi, Jeremiah, the Psalms, the Proverbs, Lamentations, Song of Solomon, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, and on and on and on. They did not count them as inspired. Think about how much of the Old Testament they did not have access or knowledge unto. They had never had any knowledge about Isaiah chapter 53. They had never read Psalm 22. They had never read Psalm 51. They had never read uh, any of these Psalms and uh, the prophecies. They never read Micah chapter 5 verse 2. They never read Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. They didn't have access to any of these prophecies. They never read the 70 weeks prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. All they had was the Pentateuch. And it was mixed in with that mongrelized religion, with uh, you know false religion. Uh, it was it was just a mongrelized, polluted and corrupt religion. But yet, this is one that even though his religion was impure, and even though his lineage was seen as impure, yet my friends, what showed forth from him according to the authority of the word of Jesus Christ was here is one who is loving God and loving his neighbor. And therefore, my friends, this is one, I don't know how much more affirmation you would need that heaven will be your home than that you're able to love your God and love your fellow man. Oh, my friends, that's only a born again person who can do that. You see, we see as much in many places in the Word of God. Now, let me tell you, let me get the, I want you to get me straight now. Brother Joe's a preacher, and I want to preach. I love to preach. I love to see people repent and believe in Jesus Christ. That is my whole goal in life, is to feed the sheep. Okay? I want everybody I can come in contact with to know more about Jesus Christ. That's my desire. That's my heartfelt desire. But, Kindred, let me tell you something. The thought that God has a people out there outside of evangelize. That means preached knowledge base outside of the church, outside of the influence of the Bible, outside of the influence of fat chicken eating preachers like me who have simply been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and the spirit has inhabited them. And in their ignorance, they try to serve God the best they can. I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, I don't do anything but rejoice over that. Because if it pleases God to do it, it ought to please me to do it. Now, I hope and pray the Lord will bless me to reach that person and to teach them about what that is that's in their heart that has broken them and made them see that this world is not their home and there's a God that they love even though they don't know his name and they don't know anything about him, but yet they want they love their fellow man and they, they want this Lord. They want to know more about I want to feed them with that. Amen, I do. But I never want to despise the fact that salvation is of the Lord. If I get to thinking that, you know, 
as far as my concept of the gospel goes, is as far as, let me tell you something, nobody can preach the gospel better than God can in the heart. We just add to that with specific knowledge from the word of God and it builds and, and it harmonizes and it, it just, it's wonderful, this gospel experience from faith to faith. But don't ever forget, my friends, for a person to uh, see the righteousness of God through the gospel from faith to faith, you got to have faith on both ends in the one sharing the gospel and the one who's hearing it. They already must have faith, you see. How do they get faith? They've been born again the Spirit of God. Look at Romans chapter 2, Romans 2, 13 through 15. Obviously speaking about just people. Here Paul says, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. So obviously, who is he talking about? Justified people. For, because, he's going to expound upon what he said, for when the Gentiles, who are the Gentiles in this context, in this day and age? They were unevangelized people. They were apart from the commonwealth of Israel. They were apart from the oracles of God. They did not have the knowledge of the gospel. And this is who he's referring to here. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law. Notice he didn't say break by nature the things contained in the law. We're all breakers of the law, but his focus here on those doing. I believe here he's talking about the righteous aspects of the law. Why are these people who don't have the law and are not knowledgeable in the law, why are they doing the righteous things of the law? For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness. Their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Here we're talking about people who have compunction in their conscience about right and wrong. Not just an innate compunction as all mankind has. But here, my friends, this is coming from a law that's written in their hearts. And notice the same Apostle Paul that used this language in Romans chapter 2 is the same Apostle Paul that used much the same language talking about obviously born again, believing, baptized Christians at the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You go and compare the language. And there he's talking about evangelized people in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He's using the same language regarding unevangelized people in Romans chapter 2. Are they out there? I believe they are. Do I praise God that all of his children that Jesus died for will be in heaven? Whether a, a preacher like me ever gets to them or not, I rejoice that he has that power because it pleased God to do it. And if it pleased God to do it, my friends, it ought to please me. It ought to please Fat Joe. Amen. I, that ought to please me if it pleases God. Notice in Acts 18, the Lord here gave charge unto the apostle Paul to go into Corinth. In 18, Acts 18, verse 9 through 10, he said, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. Most of the Christian world says, you know, we need to get the gospel in there so we can get God, his people. I'm telling you, God's already got his people and it's to them is whom the gospel is sent. That's why we don't make sheep by the gospel. We feed sheep by the gospel because that presupposes a spiritual life in the one who's able to feed upon it, who is hungry for it and thirsty for the things of God. Oh, my friends, this Samaritan represents so much. And I get so much encouragement from this. And I hope and pray that the exposition of this parable 
has been a blessing to you and you pray for us go to gospel-of-grace.com and and write to us let us know that you're listening pray for us in this endeavor and meet with us 8 a.m every sunday morning right here on 96.1 fm we'll be glad to hear from you and we love you and until we're able to meet you some sweet day may the grace of the lord jesus be with you all If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under Podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caldonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 And tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord.